Um, what you got there? The Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I think she meant the gigantic bird. Hey guys, welcome back to Split Screen Media Podcast. Uh, this is episode 34. We are a um, podcast that talks about music, video games, movies, TV shows, comics, uh, and gets into our personal lives a little bit. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Blankenship, and with me as always is the, uh, what's an adjective I haven't used? Lovely, beautiful, immaculate. I've used all those. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous we haven't used. Gang, gang. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, back with us for a second time on season two is Austin. Hey, guys. Nice to see you again. Thank you for coming on again. Always. This is actually like the busiest week I've had uh, in a while because like law school and stuff. But Chris asked if I want to be on. I was like, fuck yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to be on, man. We really appreciate it. I, I know that, you know, you have a lot going on, but we have so much to talk about today. And I don't know if there's anyone I'd rather talk about this list of things we have than you as a guest. So I really appreciate it because his words were, I will make time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the attitude here on Split Screen Media or fuck it. We'll do it tomorrow. That's the other attitude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Thursday night already. Shit. <laughs> We've done nothing. Uh, so our first topic is the Spider-Man trailer. Yeah, I know we yes. gotta talk about it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so yeah, I showed them already for the viewers at home. We have notes here, two pages. Chris has some notes, and we all have a lot of thoughts. Uh, Real quick, do we want to talk about the uh, the leak? Yeah. So because that can lead into the trailer itself um connor do you want to describe kind of like what happened with the leak yeah sure um so it was on sunday right when it actually got leaked i think uh it was i think it was i think monday is when i saw it on reddit i it might have been earlier yeah. though okay. yeah it could have been earlier i think it was monday though um oh no it was it was sunday because it came out the day before and then monday night the trailer came out so it was Sunday. So basically what happened is that someone had, as, as Austin put it, which is, it seemed to be exactly right. It was a recording of a recording of a recording of the actual uh, No Way Home trailer. And apparently some of it also featured very early CGI work. So it wasn't even like the finished trailer that we got on Monday night. Um, and I don't know if this event pushed up the timeline for when they actually decided to release the trailer because to me it felt like well it leaked and we're going to be showing it at this exclusive event so let's just put it online anyway you know we want to make sure that people watch this and not the shitty version of it Uh, yeah i feel like um because a lot of times they'll release it at whatever event they release that and then it's like a week at least that they uh until they put it out but yeah one the leak and two People are hungry for this trailer and for this movie. Yeah, last I checked, this trailer has 33 million views and it's been out for a day, which yeah. I saw it was I saw it was like half a million and like within like the first hour or two, like whenever I watched it, I think it was 45 minutes after it dropped or an hour or something. It was a half a million already. Yeah, no, it was crazy how quickly. And by the way, that's just the Sony the one on the Sony yeah. channel. There's a, the one on the Marvel channel that has millions of views. There's one on the IGN channel that has millions of views. Like add it up, I have no idea how much it is total, but 
people are like needless to say people are excited about this and they've been waiting for a very long time for this trailer i wonder um, what the ad revenue is from the, <laughs> the trailer it's funny you say that because i was thinking about that too i was like i wonder if they actually make any money i mean i feel like they have to make a little bit it's their own stuff like it's not like it's going to get copyright claimed or is it the trailer itself an ad <laughs> I mean, it it has an ad at the end for the uh, PlayStation. I'm sure they make a couple thousand bucks off it. You know, it's nothing serious, but I mean, you know, whatever. It's a little extra cash. Um, But I I really want to know what you guys just, you know, before we like kind of I know we're going to do sort of a deep dive on this trailer. But what did you guys think of it? General thoughts. Uh, I like it. Um, I think it shows a lot, though. Um, maybe more than I would have wanted uh, because I hate watching trailers. You guys know this. Mm-hmm. I hate watching trailers that give away too much. Um, I don't think it gave away too much. I, I think it, I don't think it gave away. What's the opposite of that? <laughs> like everything. I, I wish it, yeah. yeah. I wish it was a little bit more conservative. Um, I, I'm not sure if I like where it's going, but I, there's a lot to be excited for in terms of like the villains and, and what this movie uh, could be all right so i think the last time i was on um i kind of gave this movie a little bit of shit or fans a little bit of shit about expecting um toby and andrew to be in it i'm not a big fan of expecting anything from movies or uh shows or anything like that because they're usually disappointed i take that all back i'm if andrew and toby aren't in it i'm like kill kevin feige <laughs> because like <laughs> this it's so good. I, I have it playing behind me, and I just keep watching it. Um, it sets up the stakes really well, and it really gets me hyped for the villains and what they can do, what they might do. Um, I'm tr- still holding out on thinking, like, this is how they're in- going to introduce these elements. I'll let them tell me how they're going to do that when I watch the movie, but just knowing that some of these elements are there... Um, and hearing Willem Dafoe's laugh and knowing that Electro is going to be in it, but like a comic accurate Electro, I have chills. I'm excited. It's, I know I'm going to have a good time at this movie. I'll say this. I know a lot of people were like, oh, I think, you know, now we really think Toby and Andrew are going to be in this. I will make a promise to you guys and to our viewers right now. If they are not in this movie, I will get a a dick piercing on camera. (laughs) <laughs> because that's how confident I am that they are going to be in this movie. There's no way they're going to bring back. I mean, obviously the, the big quote unquote surprise in this trailer is that Alfred Molina is reprising his role as Doc Ock, Willem Dafoe reprising his role as Green Goblin. Um, there's no way they bring them back and they don't bring back the people whose movies that they're from. It's just not going to happen. Um, now, what would you do if, they bring in all of these characters from different movies, but they're not the characters that we necessarily know. Like Doc Ock is back, but the last time we saw him, he died. So is this a Doc Ock from another universe that is similar to the second Spider-Man movie? Or is it exactly that Doc Ock, but like pulled from uh, that universe right before he like has the heel turn or face turn? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I have a few theories. I think that this is going to be because if Green Goblin and Doc Ock are both in this, 
they exist on the same timeline, just at different points in the same Raimi timeline. Green Goblin is dead by the time Doc Ock rolls around and then Doc Ock dies in Spider-Man 2. So Mm -hmm. my guess is that there are going to be two separate universes that each of them are from, just both from a different point in time on the Raimi universe and probably different things happen to them. So maybe this Doc Ock is the one where instead of Peter convincing him to do the right thing and to, you know, bring his creation down to the ocean and kill himself and ultimately, you know, sacrifice himself for the good of mankind. Like this is the one who doesn't do that. And, you know, this is a much more evil version where the arms mm-hmm. have basically taken over. Uh, Cause there are comics, they're really dark and kind of fucked up comics, but there's points where they show that because Doc Ock is just a normal man, Peter punches him so hard, not really knowing his own strength, that he causes Doc Ock to essentially die. But the arms are just carrying around like what's left of this man. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of he becomes a little bit more robotic because of that. And it's fucked. But I'm wondering if they'll kind of go that route with this. It opens up the possibility for any of that stuff to happen because of how you described like it just picking it off the timeline whatever timeline it wants to pick from. So there's literally an infinite amount of possibilities. Yeah, it could. I mean, you know, multiverse doesn't mean, oh, well, it's just this one timeline from this one thing. It's an infinite amount of timelines Mm -hmm. branching off from infinite amount of timelines. So it can, like you said, Chris, it can literally be anything, um, which is what I think people are most excited about. But so um, they, they can make it the best thing ever. They can fuck it up. (laughs) <laughs> at this point are they can they fuck it up like the last bad marvel movie was captain marvel uh and other than that like they they know how to make a movie at this point and they know what needs to happen in this movie like at a bare minimum for people to enjoy it is there a chance that this movie's bad maybe not bad but it could be subpar i definitely think it could be a fucking mess if yeah. it's not if it's not handled proper, I mean, the like Spider-Man three isn't a mess because it has three villains. It's a mess because it has horrible pacing. But this but Spider-Verse has like 18 villains and it's it's fine because it's paced really well. It's super frantic and fast and you don't really need a lot of backstory for each person. And if they're going to do something like that here, like a live action Spider-Verse kind of deal, then that's the same kind of pacing that they need to have. It needs to be, you know not like rise of Skywalker frenetic and fast, but like it needs to be quick and keep you interested while also building, building on these villains, maybe not like fleshing out their backstories entirely. Cause you can't really do that with the amount of villains they're planning on having. But uh, you know, it, it, it needs to do the bare minimum to be yeah. somewhat acceptable, I guess. I think that the pacing might not even be a problem because uh, a lot of the buildup has been done in Loki with multiverse. And like, they expect us to at least have a passing knowledge of who these characters are based on past movies. We may not know the specifics of this Doc Ock, if he's different than Spider-Man 2, but we get the general idea of who he is. Um, Especially if it's Alfred Merlina's Doc Ock, his origins probably close to the same and then it just diverts from there um so i don't think they're going to spend a lot of time being like hey this is what a multiverse is or this is how timelines work they're just going to kind of throw us in there and like 
we get a focus on the story they have to tell and not the setup hopefully yeah no i, I definitely think that's true um real quick before we dive any further into this i i, I want to just briefly mention like what this movie is going to be about or what the trailer said the story is um so basically this takes place right after far from home uh mysterio has revealed to the world who peter parker is and it seems like that's going to be a very big plot element going forward originally i was like maybe they'll just brush past that but what they're doing with it is you know they're actually putting him seemingly on trial for murder um they're you know it's affecting everyone in his life uh matt murdoch is definitely his lawyer we can talk about that later but (laughs) um and yeah and he's basically miserable and he wants things to go back to the way they were so in his desperation he decides to go to dr strange to see if he can reverse everything that's happened reverse uh people's knowing that he's actually spider-man and doing that dr strange kind of fucks it up because of peter and honestly they're making a ton of bad decisions together uh and then it leads to this sort of multiversal issue that they seemingly have to solve in the second and third act of the film but yeah i i think that's a great that's one the one thing i have in the pros i love the setup of this being starting out as a very dark spider-man story he's at his lowest point again consequences for his actions bleeding over from the last movie i love that and I think it makes sense that he would go to somebody like Dr. Strange to try and fix his problems. And everyone was like, well, how can he be so stupid? I'm like, well, in the movie, he's like 15 or 16. I mean, 15 and 16 year olds are dumb. Can Even, I, I want to ask, how can Strange be so stupid? So that's I, the thing that this is one of the downsides I have of this trailer. I Unless have, Strange is knowing, like knowingly messing it up yeah for whatever reason maybe he i can... have three theories the first is he's a cocky bastard i mean he just beat thanos he looked into a million different timelines and guided us to the right one he he fought the big bad he's sorcerer supreme was he to be afraid of he's always been cocky too he's always been arrogant yeah i was about to say he's that. even cocky in the trailer says hey we just saved half the universe you don't have to call me sir or whatever yeah, yeah. And then my second theory is, uh, yeah, maybe he's doing some of this on purpose, um, trying to teach Peter a lesson. Though we see the um, scenes where, like, they're in the mirror realm or whatever's happening to make stuff morph and move, like we see in the Doctor Strange movie. And either they're fighting, like Spider-Man and him are fighting, um, and that battleground where it takes place, or... Uh, they're fighting to maintain reality. Um, so I'm not sure if like he's trying to teach Peter a lesson. Seems like very heavy um, risk. My third theory, though, is he's Mephisto, and this is just One More Day. Like, Connor, have you read One More Day? I actually haven't, no. And I don't know a lot about Mephisto. My My theory was actually kind of... I think maybe a little similar to that, but I was going to say a lot of this is going to end up being a Mysterio illusion. I think Mysterio might actually be the big bad again. And a lot of this isn't really happening. I think that might be a little bit of a cop out, but that would be because like in the, in far from home, it would have been awesome if we didn't know Mysterio was in it. If they'd been like, Oh, it's a Craven movie. And then it turned out to be Mysterio. And that might be what they end up doing here. Like, 
it just bringing him back entirely it, it would would it be so easy for jake gyllenhaal to have faked his death in the second movie um but yeah i mean the mephisto thing I, that, it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. they definitely hinted at that in wandavision yeah um one i'd say definitely read one more day it's a it's a wacky story um and it definitely seems like they're pulling a lot of it um the main premise being that peter's identity is uh like found out and he does whatever he can i think it leads to yeah it leads to omni's death he does whatever he can to um reverse that but in doing so people everyone forgets he's spider-man he loses mj and their future child um like it really fucks shit up for him because he can't just adapt and that definitely seems to be at least kind of the premise that they're going for um i mean and they have a history of pulling from the comics at least themes if not plots um like just overarching themes and then doing what they will with how they tell that uh idea i think it's definitely easy to see like why um he might not be able to adapt like suddenly his identity is known everybody hates him there's like protesters all over um and he doesn't like he's not looking forward to just be like let me ride this out and like people will soon like kind of like this will all die down so i understand why he goes to strange but it just like that part just doesn't get to me and but everything after the spell breaks looks cool and i'm i'm here for that story but the him and mj walking into i assume the courthouse or maybe in the school or something it it hits uh for me like i get a lot of that weight of like he's being persecuted and attacked and he's just trying to be a good person and nothing's going right for him which is quintessential spider-man and quintessential peter um and i think the trailer does a good job of like showing the stakes right there now i think that that will be the first five ten minutes of the movie and then he immediately goes to strange and um all the wacky adventures happen though yeah it's just going to be the build-up but i still think it's solid it's nice to see stakes like that in a spider-man movie again you know homecoming had nothing and then uh, far from home definitely had a lot more but still not quite enough for me and and i think this is gonna definitely scratch that itch uh but speaking of the multiverse that's the uh, one of the other pros i have here is that i really like first of all how they're setting up the multiverse after you know the events of loki clearly what she does doesn't just affect what happens at the end of time but it's going to branch off and affect every point in time and i like that they don't really know that the multiverse has started already until strange actually accesses it. So now the multiverse is always there. It's just until somebody can actually break into it, like a sorcerer, um, it will remain one timeline essentially, or until Kang decides to fuck it up. Um, I'm actually, as you were saying that the part in the trailer where he's casting a spell is happening. And um, as like, the spell's getting bigger and breaking and the walls around him start crumbling. We see that space background, which looks identical to like Crane's uh, castle at the end of Loki. Like the um, like space in the clouds and the, the ring of the timeline around. So I think that's definitely what they're pointing at is that he's tapping into the multiverse in some way. Which is what makes me think that it's not 
Peter's fault for talking. I think what happens, I mean, that might be part of it, but what I really think the problem is, is that Dr. Strange tries to do this thing, doesn't realize that now the multiverse has changed entirely, tries to access it. It fucks up <laughs> because it can't maybe stick to like the prime timeline or however the spell works. You know, I don't really know, but he doesn't see it coming and then he messes it up. So a lot of this seems like it might be on him. Which maybe leads back to Chris's point to like, why the fuck would he do this in the first place? Um, yeah. Uh, I I was also, when I first watched the trailer, I thought it might be before Loki in, in a relative sense, as in the sacred timeline is still all together. And this is just like a section of the sacred timeline. Like this is all meant to happen. Yeah. It, the, it, oh, no, go for it. Uh, it's weird, right? Because, yeah, Loki happens outside of time. So when Loki happens is at all time. But are are we to believe that that hasn't happened yet? Yeah, as you said, relatively. I think COVID especially has fucked all, a lot of it up. With how they, <laughs> how they originally planned to release everything, that would have made sense. We would have been told, oh, Loki happened first and then Spider-Man. But what if... Spider-Man was supposed to happen before Loki, and we just don't know that. Um, I think they're definitely going to have to address that in this movie uh, for us to not walk out of there and be like, but wait, what? where's Loki? Yeah, I would I would really expect if it's if it is like after the events of Loki and you've got all these branches and stuff. And that's how they decide to pick their villains and make sense of all of this you would have to address it. I guess it could be inferred. If they don't address it, then you can assume that it's probably or could be like part of the sacred timeline. Yeah. There's Fine. also the, the, the line in Loki that like the Avengers were supposed to go back and change time. So we are to believe that when the Avengers fuck up time, it's planned. So if this happens before Loki then there's no reason for the TVA to get involved because it's supposed to happen if, I don't know, time's weird. I would love to see the TVA prune something in the background of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> here's here's my understanding. And again, I could be totally wrong on this, but this until they explain it in Spider-Man, this is my headcanon for what happens. So when Sylvie stabs Kang, you see, first of all, his castle is surrounded by time. It's a it, time is now confirmed in the MCU as a loop. So everything will eventually repeat itself. Time is, you know, it's it's not linear. It's it's a circle. So once she stabs him, every single point on that loop, like all every, you know, possible spot on the loop starts to branch out. So for me, that means it's happening. It what has now happened will have always happened. So at any point in the MCU now, there are going to be multiversal branches. So there's always been multiversal branches. Again, this is this gets into like fucky time travel shit yeah. of like when things actually happen. But to me now, because she made that decision, all of the MCU at any point now has multiversal possibilities, including this new movie. So again, they just don't, it's not like because there's a multiverse, everybody knows how to access it. It's like our Earth now. There could be other Earths, but we don't know how to get there. But when someone like Doctor Strange messes with magic 
and tries to affect the flow of time when there are multiverses, it's very possible to fuck it up. It's like how at the end of Loki, he ends up in the wrong TVA or at the wrong point in time or whatever. And uh, Mobius is like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? Aren't you an analyst? So I think it's going to be that same kind of thing. Doctor Strange expecting it to be the normal flow of time is going to try to use the spell, not realizing that maybe multiversal shit is going to affect whatever he normally does when he tries to do this spell. Can you accept the possibility that it could be like when, when they look out and see just the loop before Kang dies, that there's just a little like cross section where this story takes place in that big loop. I mean, that's, that's definitely possible. It's just, can you explain that one more time? I'm not sure what you mean. So like, you know, when there's a big loop before it branches out and the TVA's they're pruning things and it's a sacred timeline. Sure. Somewhere on that sacred timeline lives this movie, hypothetically. Correct. So like, this is all meant to happen. This is all part of the timeline. Like they're not accessing the multiverses yet. Oh, so you're saying that this movie may only exist now because there's multi so like this this movie the way things are flowing right now even though it's you know 2023 or whatever time it is in the mcu this isn't prime timeline 2023 this is like a weird branching path that this movie takes place well, on. i think what he's saying is that i think it would be better to put it as there's two sacred timelines there's the sacred timeline that doesn't have multiverses and then there's the one that does um and he's asking is there a possibility that this movie occurs on the sacred timeline that does not have branching realities if it does they're gonna have to explain why yeah and i don't think they're gonna i think they're just gonna be like <laughs> i mean it disney and marvel specifically have a strong history of setting stuff up so that they don't have to explain it in the movies that really deal with these issues. Um, my favorite example actually is uh, in Star Wars, uh, in Rise of Skywalker, when Ray uses force healing, um, that happens the day after um, the Mandalorian season finale where Baby Yoda uses force healing. They don't have to explain force healing because they hope that you watched the supplementary material. Yeah. Marvel's hoping that we watch Loki and they know we watch Loki. They know a lot of people watch Loki. Um, so they're not going to explain a lot um, that they don't have to other than probably just, hey, there's multiverses. Like, have yeah. fun. If, One if of the things... If there's an explanation coming, it's going to be in Doctor Strange. It's going to be okay. in the new Doctor Strange. I think that's where you're most likely going to get the explanation for this movie. I definitely think that like these movies are going to be very connected. Yeah. Like no, those two movies, for sure. Where, um, when is the next Doctor Strange? That is coming out very early next year. So it should be like right after Spider-Man. So it's before uh, Ant-Man? Correct. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, Ant-Man's definitely going to deal with March, that too. March yeah. 25th, 2022 is what this says. Okay, gotcha. And I think Quantumania is like May. Mm -hmm. so, and Ant you're not going to get an explanation for multiversal theory and fucking <laughs> Ant-Man. So... <laughs> Like, and, uh, what's his name from ant-man the uh uh his buddy that like picks him up from prison that does all the explanation i want him to give me the explanation of how multiverses work oh it does the weird flashback thing i would yeah. love that 
I don't want the explanation for why he's in this movie, though. Just just throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, just put him in. I don't care. One of the things last week, uh, Austin, that I was talking about for Suicide Squad was that um, like, there's no supplemental stuff for that movie, really. I mean, there's like some Harley Quinn stuff and a little yeah. things, but for the most part, it was a very standalone movie. And I was like, it was kind of a breath of fresh air because like with Marvel, you have to watch all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, I've seen Loki and things like that, but um yeah i guess back to the back to the fucking, shit yeah i mean like it, suicide squad was like reading a book and marvel's like <laughs> reading a fucking encyclopedia it, well it's it's like reading a comic it's like yeah you're reading a comic and there's editor's notes on every other page um and then you're like oh should i go read that no you don't need to um yeah i mean and that's hopefully what dc will do from here on out is that they'll make their movies as standalone things that you can just enjoy and let yeah. Marvel have their interconnected universes of madness and bullshit. That's when yeah. DC's at its best. Fucking Aquaman, Shazam, definitely Suicide Squad. Like that's when they are at their best. So they need to keep doing that for sure. And I don't mind, you know, the Marvel interconnect. I'm used to it at this point, but mm. I totally agree with Chris when he was like, I like being able to sit down, watch this movie, and then fucking be done with it. Like I saw it, I liked it, and I don't have to worry about the next 10 years of DC <laughs> because of the implications <laughs> of this movie. Um, and I, you know, I totally agree with that. I do um, wonder where podcasts would be at, if not for Marvel, <laughs> what would we talk about? I have no idea. <laughs> That's a lot of what we do here is just speculate. Um, like the other pro on my list, uh, which is that I'm really excited that not only are they doing, sinister six it is a multiverse sinister six which to my knowledge is i mean i'm sure there's some obscure comic that has all this shit done already but i love that idea i just think that's really fun of the best of the best not only villains but the actors who played those villains bringing them in for this one movie is just such a fun idea if jamie fox the best of the best who I mean, I guess he's the by, only one by that default. Plays <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he gives a hell of a performance in that movie. He does. He he tries his very best with what he was given, um, and he's made it clear he hated that he was blue and that they did weird shit in that movie. Um, and he's happy to play more comic accurate version in this. Um, I just don't know how I feel about Jamie Foxx as electro i like jamie fox as an actor but just as a comic actor accurate electro eh, i i guess i just also don't care a lot about electro it might it i think you maybe it might just be because you have that image of that performance and like that version of that character in your mind so maybe when you see this you'll be like oh now i get his performance mm-hmm. or, and maybe not maybe you just don't like it and that's totally fine like, I think uh, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor is shitty. And I gave it a chance. And I think he's really bad. And there's just nothing really more to it. But, like, I, I think just the idea to me of, like, we're not going to cast somebody else as Doc Ock. Nobody else could do it as good as Alfred Molina could. So let's just bring him in. Let's just throw him. Same thing with J. Jonah Jameson. Like, nobody could ever do that better. So let's just bring in J.K. Simmons. He was born for it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Is his best role by far, and that and like Whiplash. Whiplash is amazing. Whiplash is amazing. Um, should we get into the few things? I, I, I'm sure you guys might have a couple cons too. Chris sounded like you kind of were talking about some of the Doctor Strange stuff, but one of the things I was really not excited about watching this was that all of the Doctor Strange power stuff 
was exactly the same stuff we've seen in all of these movies, particularly the him doing shit to a train, which is in Doctor Strange one, and then him doing shit where the city folds in on itself. I'm like, this is fucking boring. I've seen this before in Doctor Strange one. It's the almost the exact same shot for both of those. And I want new shit with Doctor Strange. I want new powers. I I think what they're doing with that is now that they're getting into a lot more of different types of magic, you have one is chaos magic. Um, I haven't watched Shang-Chi yet, but there's definitely magic in that. They're trying to differentiate what magic looks like what. Um, We know when Doctor Strange casts a spell because there's gold and there's symbols and stuff. We know when Wanda casts a spell because it's red. And when Agatha does, it's purple. Um, And so I think they're trying to set up that visual identity so that when we get these Avengers movies and we see different magic happening, we know who's doing what and why and how. Oh yeah, no the the I, the color and like the 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 design of his magic needs to be consistent. I totally mm-hmm. agree. For me, it was just using trains and buildings folding in on each other again. Felt super lazy because yeah the 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 shot in I'll put it up right now. The shot in Spider Man and then the shot in Doctor Strange when they're falling through and, and New York is folding in on itself are identical. You're you're misinterpreting this, Connor. Uh, this is just a, a, a part of the multiverse where New York is built on a giant sinkhole. <laughs> that might be multiverse. our timeline, this is, Yeah, this is our timeline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just built on slate. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think what we can hope is that um, they just don't want to spoil anything interesting that they do do with that mirror universe that they play with. Um so they're just showing us like, hey, you're going to get a taste of this and there's more to come. Hopefully, hopefully they do have a really cool idea of how to um, use that like mirror dimension in an interesting way. But as of those, right now, yeah, we have no way of knowing. Those scenes might not even make it into the movie. They might swap them out for something. Marvel is they do that a lot. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I And again, take everything I say here with a grain of salt, because this is like the softest criticism you could possibly have. We're talking about a trailer for a movie that comes out four months from now. Like none of these scenes could even be in this movie. That's a possibility too. This, this whole thing could be an entire misdirect. So, you know, but you come here for Spider-Man talk, you're going to get Spider-Man talk and we're going to dissect the shit out of this thing. Um, Real quick aside um, at two fourteen, Dr. Strange and Spider-Man are fighting, right? Like they're fighting each other. Yeah, it looks like they're having some kind of battle in the mirror dimension. Okay. That was my interpretation yeah. of it, but you know, I we I could totally be wrong. Also, have you seen the toys with Spider-Man uh and the Mystic Powers? Oh, the Mystic Powers, yes. Chris actually did some digging on another toy that I posted, which had um Toby Maguire's Spider-Man suit on it, and it looked legit. And I sent it to him and Chris went detective mode and found out that it was fake, <laughs> but it looked real. I, I haven't followed up on it They were, but they're pretty sure it was fake because uh, a, it didn't like, you couldn't find it on the website. Uh, B villains was spelled wrong on the box. <laughs> and then all the translations were like straight from Google translate. <laughs> so. gotcha. Art looked um, cool though. Yeah. You could throw it up. Yeah, I'll yeah. Try to... yeah. Um, speaking of cons and 
suits. I hate the Iron Spider suit. I I like the normal suit, um, though I do wish the Spider logo was bigger. And I like that we're going to see this black suit and maybe a Mystic suit. I don't like the Iron Spider suit. Um, it has Transformer Four vibes of it just appears. There's no um, like if it was more mechanical and how it came up on him. But in the trailer, we see like one frame he's not wearing it and the next frame is just on him and it seems just really boring and lazy there's a reason why when iron man and iron man one puts on the suit you feel it because it's like it's like clunky and clanky mm-hmm. and it's like blah, 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 and it comes together and then the new ones he presses a button and it goes Bloop, <laughs> and it's really boring looking and you don't feel anything and i think i totally agree with you on the actual design of the suit that it should feel more mechanical yeah, um, I mean, and I, I think it's just better if he just has a normal suit, like a physical suit, because that feels more Spider-Man. It doesn't feel very Peter Parker, Parker DIY just to have a nanobot suit. And I like what they did in the second one. You know, they got rid of Karen. They're like, he doesn't need an AI in his head. That was, a, I don't know who came up with that. It was a stupid idea. Um, and, and they toned down like the amount of powers that his suit had. So it felt more just like a, a pretty standard Spider-Man suit with a few extra gadgets. Um, felt a lot like Spider-Man PS4, actually, in that mm-hmm. second movie. Like, just enough to make him more powerful than your average dude, but, you know, not Tony Stark level of tech. Um, also, I've been spoiled by Spider-Man PS4 suit. That is the it's... best Spider-Man suit, <laughs> easily. What... <laughs> what is your, other than like the main one, what's your favorite one in that game? That is a really good question. I like, I believe it's called the Velocity Suit, if I'm thinking of the oh, right one. Where it looks like a like a race helmet um, type, like very black and red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that one's cool. There's, I it's going to bother me because I, I don't have like them up in front of me to, to compare, but there's a couple in there. There's a lot of garbage suits, but there's like maybe seven or eight that are really solid that I like a lot. I played 90% of that game in the punk suit. It, it was oh, my yeah. favorite thing. And then hearing J. Jonah Jameson be like, Spider-Man's a punk. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that guy actually did a good job as J. Jonah. Whoever did the voice acting for that. Anytime in that game where he started talking, I just stopped on a roof and just listened. I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it so much. I like that interpretation. He's just like an Alex Jones, like spewing <laughs> rhetoric over the airwaves. Like, it's amazing. That, that game is pure gold. I don't think there's much wrong with it at all. No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I was hoping we could die. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about, which you mentioned before the podcast, Austin, um, CGI face on Doc Ock yeah. looked a little rough. <laughs> Is it because they're pulling him from time right before he died? And so that we need early 2000s off of Merlina? I would have been fine with him as an old guy. Me too. Yeah, I think that's the preference in general. Because <laughs> that's they- what I would have preferred. Are yeah. they gonna do that with uh, Green Goblin? Do we think Willem Dafoe was kind of? He's kind of always looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future, where That's you're exactly not sure what it's like. Oh, a hundred percent. He also could ride this. Like he could be in his suit the whole time. Yeah, Ooh, you... uh, Green Goblin. Yeah, Green Goblin. Yeah. Have you guys seen the, the pictures? 
Oh, oh yeah, with the yeah, I have the purple hood, and then uh, Electro is wearing like a yellow jacket, and he's not blue, so that's cool. Um, and then uh, Doc Ock, his uh, connectors for the um, arms, they look different. Uh, I never really had much problem with like how he was portrayed in the second one, so for him, like, just leave it. I don't care. Yeah, no, I think everything about his whole arc in that movie is fantastic um the perfect like reflection of who peter parker could become if he let ego get in the way mm-hmm. it's you know obviously I, this movie isn't going to be better than spider-man 2 because i don't know if there ever will be a better spider-man movie than spider-man 2 spider-verse is close i they did a good job <laughs> is spider-verse is better than spider-man 2 oh oh no <laughs> yeah i mean it has to toby mcguire sucks like Alpha Molina and like the story there is really interesting and Doc Ock as a villain is the only good part about uh, the Raimi movies. Well, Will and Defoe too, but I, other than that, is it better than Into the Spider-Verse? The music of Into the Spider-Verse, the art style, the, the plot, the acting, the subversion with Peter B. Parker that, taking the place? Of, nah, it can't be better. It's hard for me to compare them because yeah, they serve yeah. two very different purposes. So uh, Spider-Man two is the quintessential Peter Parker story. It's, it's like uh, the, the, should I even be Spider-Man kind of reflecting? I mean, they do a great job of that when he starts to lose his powers and then mm-hmm. he lets them go. They do the Spider-Man no more thing. Yeah. It's the quintessential Peter Parker story. Spider-Verse is a love letter to Spider-Man and it's, a greatest hits collection throughout the years of everything great that Spider-Man is. So you could argue, I I definitely could see the argument that it's a better movie, but I would argue that Spider-Man two had to walk so that Spider-Verse could run. If you're going to say it's better. I mean, I think Spider-Man two had to walk so that all of this. (laughs) 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 I mean, the X-Men movies weren't fucking pulling their weight. That's for sure. Absolutely not. No, I mean, Spider-Man 1 is the definitive superhero movie to me. That's when this whole thing started. Was You could say it's X-Men, but I would very much disagree with you. Um, but yeah, I, the CGI face looks a little rough. I, I don't think it's going to get any better. I'm still excited just to see Alfred Molina back. His, his portrayal is iconic. And any more of him, as long as they don't like ruin his character, it'll still be great to see him. I mean, what could they do to ruin any of those characters? Like Electro, uh, don't, Jimmy Fox don't, is Electro. don't, don't tempt them. <laughs> but don't don't give mean, them ideas. <laughs> we're starting from like basement level with Electro, and then like I don't know how they could could ruin uh, Doc Ock or Green Goblin. Like I think both those actors alone are gonna keep that those roles in such high regard. Okay, yeah. you will be back on for a Christmas Eve episode. Uh, when <laughs> they fuck it up, <laughs> when when No Way Home sucks and we're just yelling about it. Yep, I'm just crying the whole time. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Should I do my uh, quick little timestamp thing just so I can add images for everyone to see? Yes. Um, we are running a little late on time. We might but... have to make this episode a little bit longer if we want to talk about everything. That's fine. Which That's I'm fine, fine with because we'll do yeah, highlights, so it's whatever. Um, but yeah, so 
I'm sorry about this future Connor who has to edit this, but here we go. We're going to, we're going to knock this out. Uh, 26 seconds in, you see uh, the lawyer, the lawyer walk in with the police officer to interrogate Peter Parker. Uh, That to me, clearly Matt Murdock looks exactly like him. Um, There's been a lot of rumors about Charlie Cox coming back to film for this movie. If that's the case, I'll be over the moon. Daredevil fucking slaps. And I would love to see him come back as that character. Uh, 30 seconds in, I have Matt Murdock again. You see his arm. Uh, and I I put something in the chat. Oh, you know what? I'll put up that thing I put on Facebook. But like, it looks exactly like Charlie Cox's arm. I did like some detective fucking. Uh... Can I just. It could be anybody's freaking <laughs> arm, dude. <laughs> It could be my arm, and I'm not going to tell you. Connor right now is like Charlie Day with Pepe Silvia. He's like, no, the arm. It has to mean something. <laughs> they, their arms look identical. All right, just let Every me. Every dude's arm looks like that. <laughs> I don't know. My arm's pretty thick. My arm isn't hairy at all. Like that guy. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, His arm is super hairy, so that's why I was like, like it's noticeably hairy. And I was like, maybe it's the same. I don't know. I could just when I when we come back for the fucking uh, Christmas Eve episode, I could say I told you so, <laughs> or you can say it. Um, at one sixteen, you have Peter in a black suit. Now, to me, this definitely looked like the the magic whatever suit that had already been released. And he's at feast. He's at feast. Yeah, he's running through a homeless shelter, probably run by Aunt May. I think they're going to borrow that from Spider Man PS Four. My other thing here is that maybe it's the black suit. I'm just, you know, spitballing. They, I don't know if they're going to do a symbiote thing in here, but... I, I mean, not until Secret War. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. Um, at 2.14, you see a bunch of lightning and a little bit of sand. Uh, or maybe it could just be dirt, but to me it looked a lot like Sandman. Like the forming of Sandman and then obviously Electro. At 2.22... You see Peter stealing some kind of artifact from Doctor Strange. He's being pushed into his astral form and like he's leaving his body. But Spider-Man, the body is holding some kind of relic. Uh, again, maybe that's why that him or like him and Doctor Strange are fighting because he stole it. Um, 226. At, so I've seen a lot of high contrast versions of this footage because it's so dark. If you bump up the brightness a lot, the thing that jumps out at Peter looks like either Lizard or what I saw was Venom. It looks like the teeth and the... I'll throw it up on screen for... I'll put the high contrast one on screen for everybody so they can see it. Um, To me, it looked like Venom. Uh, 227, more lightning and sand. Again, same thing. Um, 230, this is just the obvious shit that was here, but 230 was Pumpkin Bomb. And then either Doctor Strange or Willem Dafoe saying, like, careful what you wish for. I couldn't really make it out. Um, And then two, this is one I want to get your guys' opinion on. 236, I think that lady in the car is significant. And I think it's either Miles' mom or I think it's MJ's mom. And I don't know which. But I they wouldn't focus on that lady so much if she wasn't important. I had not considered miles um i thought she was just the prosecutor probably um they do focus on her a lot in the trailer um i think she's just the prosecutor but could they be going in a direction where 
the Miles's parents are swapped where the mom is a cop or prosecutor and the dad is um, like a doctor or a nurse instead of the other way around, like normal. Maybe. Yeah, I could definitely. I mean, they set up Miles very lightly, but in Homecoming, Aaron Davis is played by Donald Glover. Yeah, it was his uncle. And then he mentions that he has a nephew who lives in Queens uh, or in, in Brooklyn. Sorry. And uh, so, you know, I, maybe I think what's most likely because she looks kind of pissed off at Peter. I think it's just going to be MJ's mom who we haven't met yet. And she's going to be like, stop dating my daughter, you fucking lunatic. I mean, so Peter is in a suit in that frame, which makes me think it's on his way to court, which also doesn't make sense because. I guess they're on the bridge about to face off between uh, Doc Ock and Green Goblin. So wouldn't that be after everyone who has forgotten who he is or did, does that just not happen? I think it's a misdirect. I think Doc Ock is not talking to our Peter in that scene. I think he's talking to Tobey Maguire and they just splice them together to make it look like he's talking to that Peter. Is he in the is he in the he's in the spider suit or is that before and he, he puts on the iron spider suit but they make it look like doc ock goes hey peter or whatever to that peter but he oh, wouldn't yeah, know yeah. that peter so I, so I forget i forget it was it um did he have the suit on when he goes hey peter or not yet oh i don't you, do you mean not like the spider-man suit? you mean like his actual suit like a suit and tie no, 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 no. Spider-Man suit. So Spider-Man suit. When Doc Ock sees Spider-Man, he knows it's Peter. So when he sees Peter, he doesn't know who Peter is because it's not the same Peter. That yeah, I guess he could just make that one one theory oh, I have I heard is that the spell backfires because Peter is saying, like, these people need to remember me. Um, and so what happens is that people that know his identity in other universes get drawn in here that there's not a lot of credence to that but it would make sense as to why doc ock electro um and uh green goblin all get pulled into here maybe maybe it's just people who are those people from different dimensions so mm -hmm. like isn't ned hobgoblin in something do you think they'll ever do that the hobgoblin he is in the comics that character's name is also hobgoblin like i don't i don't, I don't do know that. that they'll do that story specifically but maybe that's what they're going for here is that like they could do some kind of alternate thing like ned's dad in an alternate universe is willem dafoe or some shit I, you know i don't know maybe they yeah. could like like and that's the reason that he's being affected is because peter mentioned him during the spell um this is all wild speculation yeah. <laughs> we could be totally off with this I don't want to get too excited about anything. And then, obviously, last thing, 242, I just wrote Doc Ock. You know, nothing, <laughs> nothing to look at besides, you know, the awesomeness of him coming back. But, you know, no, no and CG, CG face and, and the weird CG face. Yeah. Um, but that was all I had for Spider-Man. Really excited. I don't want another trailer. I think you and I are like, I'm done. This is all I needed to see. And now I want to watch the movie. I do have one note on the trailer aspect of it they say it's a teaser trailer and it's three minutes long yeah <laughs> teaser trailers are like 30 seconds my guy it's also yeah. not the first teaser trailer like for a movie that's done that like recently that i've watched 
I mean, didn't Eternals, their teaser trailer was not three minutes, but it was fairly long. There's a thing with like really, like it's got to be less than a minute if it's a teaser trailer for me and a minute's pushing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I only watch the first trailer for any movie now. I watch that one because I know sometimes we talk about that. And then after that, I'm done. I don't need to watch the second trailer. Like I, yeah. at that point, you're just watching the entire movie. Yeah. You might as well not go see it. Yeah, Once like- I'm convinced, then I won't watch anymore. Obviously, yeah. I watched, like I was already convinced with this movie, but I watched this trailer just for the hype of it. But yeah. And we were going to, you know, we have a show where we talk about it. So we kind of had to. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first thing I noticed. It said teaser trailer. And I saw the timestamp of like three minutes and a couple seconds. And I was like, this is not a teaser trailer. There is like 30 seconds of Sony PlayStation. <laughs> okay, so then it's two and a half minutes. It's still it super so fucking long. I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I just want everyone to know that, that there is like a little bit of time that they that's it's not showing shit. But yeah, it's still so, ridiculous. So, Chris, you watched this trailer. What else uh, else did you watch this weekend? Uh, S- Segway to, to <laughs> The Matrix. Oh, I was going to mention that this it was oh, coming okay. out December 17th. Oh, okay. It's only yeah, in theaters. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. They're yeah. not going to risk another lawsuit after what's been going no. on. <laughs> Does not have a class action lawsuit on their hands in a second? <laughs> also, this movie's going to... I think it's going to be like Force Awakens where it's going to be hard to find tickets to watch this thing. I, I think people are that excited about it. Yeah, and I've heard that like this Delta stuff is like hitting its peak now. Of course, who knows? But hopefully, things settle down by December. So many more people are about to get vaccinated too, because the FDA uh, approved Pfizer and will probably soon approve uh, Moderna. So I heard on the radio this morning that more people have gotten it in the past month than the past or like the prior two months combined. So it's 61% of the United States has at least their first dose, which is, which is good. You know, I'm, I'm glad we're that's, that's crawling up. Can can I tell you guys something though? I watched um, fast and furious in theaters. I don't like theaters anymore. People suck. People ruin movies. I would much rather, I have a nice big TV. It has the led like behind it that changes color with the movie. I would much rather just sit on my couch and watch that. I talked well, about that with. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what, Chris? I was going to say, when you're rich and famous, Austin, you can have a private movie theater in your home. That's my plan. <laughs> I was going to say, I talked about that with Joey, and I was like, watching this in a theater is going to suck because it's it's all the mouth breathers that like clap and cheer. During oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's just, and I mean, this movie in particular, like Tobey Maguire is going to show up on screen, and I'm not going to be able to hear what he's his first line because people are going to be screaming like five year olds. And so this, I, I almost would prefer if I could watch this at home. Connor, I'm going to come over and watch this at home with you. And uh, I'm going to clap and cheer. And I'm going to walk out before the after credit scenes. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Nothing makes me angrier. The only thing you should do in a theater is if something's funny, you should laugh. Or if like or if it's scary, you can go, ah, you know. Yeah, as I say, you can be like surprised or something. But yeah, See, but you, you knee say- jerk reactions. That's it. Yeah. You say if it's funny, you should laugh. Uh, when I watched Captain Marvel, there was this dude like two seats over that laughed at everything. Um, like when she punched the grandma, uh, he thought it was the funniest shit he's ever seen in his life. It was funnier than Pickle Rick. Um, and I'm like, that was in the trailer, my dude. Yeah. 
I was like, I laughed at it then because of how ridiculous it was. And then that was it. Like I had like a, oh, ha 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 ha. And he then was, I was done. He was clapping and like slapping his feet. Like, ha ha. I'm like, guy, you need to stop. I'm glad he had, at least somebody had fun during that movie. <laughs> Christ. That was a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I, I really liked that segue to the Matrix. Yeah, um, um, just cut it in right now. Okay, yeah. yeah, we'll just we'll recut it in. Do we want to do that or do we want to do Pokemon? Matrix. Matrix first. Okay. Yeah. Chris, this was your first time seeing the Matrix. Austin and I, we both, I think we've even mentioned it on the podcast before how we feel about this movie. Christopher Blankenship, what did you think of the Matrix? Just to be clear, I only watched the first one. Um just because of time um uh, it makes me want to watch the second and third one even though you don't give it as much hype uh but i really liked it i think uh it was really cool with how it um kind of just had your curiosity in front of you the whole time like carrot and stick kind of thing like always wanting you like always giving you a question that you want the answer to and then like once you get that answer there's another question uh like right there and it's like like follow the uh you know, the crumb trail. And it was like that throughout most of the movie uh, kept me entertained. I really liked it. Uh, I actually watched like the first half hour and I like had to pause it to like go get some food or something. and didn't even realize it had been half an hour, um, which is a really good sign <laughs> of a movie for me. Um, so I really enjoyed it. The action scenes were a little campy and, and they were yeah. like, uh, like some of it is just like, I was just thinking, like, this is kind of, like, parodyable, but... I, I mean, it's, it's, still it's parodyable. It's, like, people make parody of it because it is the, as far as we're concerned, the original. Um, I mean, you can talk about movies in, like, Asian stuff in Bollywood, but that's the this is the first blockbuster gung fu movie. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's parody because it's our touchstone for that. You have to think, too, this movie is one of the most influential movies of all time because it set the tone for all of the 2000s. There was, you know, before that, it was like Jinko jeans and shitty haircuts. And The Matrix was like, we're going to do fucking leather and trench coats and sunglasses and new metal rock and roll. And for a very long time in the 2000s, that was what, like, it just set the trend for the new millennium, which is crazy. This, this movie did feel like a time machine. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. With some have, of the scenes. Have you guys seen Grandma's Boy? I've oh, a that. long time ago. There's a character in there that dresses like Neo, like long black trench coat. He's like, like the boss of the company or whatever, right? And yeah. then they make so many Matrix jokes, and it's yeah. great. So, yeah, but but that's but that exactly that point is like so many movies, not even just like the style that it's set, but so many movies have parried, parried, parodied. Parody? Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Whatever. I had trouble too. It, it's really interesting to watch a parody and then watch the original. Because <laughs> then you're like, oh, okay, so that's where that's come from. And that's what happened with this movie a lot. And I was like, oh, I got it. I oh, had yeah, that, that was him dodging the fucking bullets is, you know, that's in everything. I didn't know he actually gets hit with the bullets. I thought yeah. he dodged them all. Like that was what, like before I watched the movie. Yeah. No, he misses most of them, but then he, he gets. You know, kind of, it's uh, scrapes or whatever. Yeah, yeah it grazes him. 
So, so Chris, I asked you um, when you told me that this was your first time watching it, I asked you if you knew about what this movie is truly about, uh, according to the directors. Um, and you said you didn't know. It's a trans allegory. How do you, like, did you pick up on any of that? Fine, trans allegory. Uh, it's... <laughs> So the Wachowskis are trans. Um, yeah, so what, in the credits at the time, it's the Wachowski brothers. Um, both of them are trans. So they're okay. now the Wachowski. Si- I think in one movie, it was Wachowski siblings. And now it's just Wachowski mm-hmm. sisters. Um, but okay. they, yeah, watching it with that context, I think, because there's a, a, one character in particular I think of is Switch. who That's, the whole that's idea what's on is, the top of my mind when you say that. Um, what if I pointed out um, how Mr. Smith talks to Neo? What does he call him? He calls him Mr. Anderson, even though Neo does not consider that his name anymore. So, in in essence, he's dead naming him. He's putting labels because the whole thing is yeah. breaking free from like the system and like what you're supposed, and then. You know, you get after you do that, you get to wear sweet trench coats and run in slow motion. <laughs> so, like, it, the whole thing is is breaking out of societal norms is really what um, a large chunk of this movie is. Obviously, a lot of it too. Austin, you and I were talking about is uh, determinism and and fate, and you know, if if destiny is real, and there's all all that with the uh, the oracle and shit like that. I think. Uh, you can yeah i think you can generalize this movie like how you're saying with like the trans stuff um i think it could fit like a bunch of different um like scenarios though i i will say the first time i watched it after hearing that from the wakowskis it felt blatant it felt like i was being shoved in my face that this is about being transgender um, I never felt that before, but in, when it was pointed out to me, it felt like, how could I miss that? Um, so it would be interesting to hear, like, if you went back and watched it, how you perceive that. I, yeah, I, <laughs> when you said trans allegory, I was like, I, I don't even, like, I wasn't, that wasn't even, like, trans didn't, like, that, that definition of trans didn't even pop into my head because that's not how I, that's not what I got from this movie at all. So if I go back and watch it with that in mind, I'm curious because mm-hmm. I can I can see like how you're like coming yeah. to that conclusion. Have they confirmed it? I, I mean, yeah. So no one really thought of this movie like that until um, I want to say it was like four five years ago. The Wachowskis did a interview and they were like, oh, yeah, it's a trans allegory. Um, my favorite was when Keanu Reeves was asked about it. He just said, that's cool. Um, uh, that sounds like exactly what yeah. Keanu Reeves would say. Say, yeah, he said, right, man. Oh, I didn't know, but that's cool. Um, and I think the reason that works is because there's a lot of other elements um, that you <coughs> associate with this movie, like you said. Um, but it really sticks out now that it's been pointed out to me. Um, like specifically, like I mentioned, all the times Mr. Smith, who is a symbol of power, patriarchy, established power, calls him Mr. Anderson. And then everyone else who knows his real identity calls him Neo. Um, it it definitely feels obvious. And it, it almost feels silly that I didn't notice it before. I think I was almost taking that as like, uh, 
Mr. Smith like trying like calling him Mr. Anderson's like making his like matrix life or whatever because remember Morpheus is like you have two lives which but I mean now that I'm saying that <laughs> it's clicking but uh <laughs> but it was almost like Mr. Smith like being like you know this is uh the reality that I want you in and you know what this is all making sense yeah. now but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can see it like clicking as you were saying you're like oh fuck <laughs> huh. yeah but I don't think it's just um okay. yeah I mean you this could apply to multiple different yeah things. there's a reason the- that Morpheus is black in this movie I mean a lot of it is is a racial freedom from you know that sort of societal chain or whatever and then you know obviously with realizing who you really are which could be the the trans allegory you were talking about it's really just an awakening of any kind and realizing your full potential beyond what society uh says you are or you know deems you as i guess i think like for my first watch like just the surface level story was pretty good now going back with that concept i wonder how i feel about it yeah i mean for like 20 years no one watched it in that scope and for like to a point i um believe in the death of the author a piece of literature or media has as much meaning to you as you give it um so you can see it as hell if you want a fascist propaganda film if that's how you choose to perceive it um but there is credence into what it was originally intended as um and viewing it through that scope um definitely like it felt fresh i i was watching a new movie at that point i get something new out of this movie every time i watch it which is always which i think is what a good movie does you know it it and it evolves with you. And I think that's why, and I'll be, you know, a hundred percent honest with the podcast. It's like easily top five movies for me. I don't know if it's my favorite movie of all time, but it's easily in my top five. I think let alone, you know, what we're, what we've been talking about. The movie is so well directed. Um, I mean, a, a masterclass in filmmaking on almost every level. The writing is fantastic. The pacing is fucking immaculate. Like I can't, I, this movie has scenes that begin and end with such purpose that you never see that anymore. It almost feels like, oh, we'll just, we'll write some shit down and we'll, we'll figure it out later. This, this movie is calculated to a T and it needed to be to work because the idea is so grandiose and ridiculous that with anyone else, I think this would have failed tremendously, but the cast that they got to was perfect. Clearly all of them understood exactly what the tone of this movie was and they created what i think is a defining film not just for our generation but of all time yeah i mean you say uh top five i think it might be in mine too like i'm trying to think of other movies that i would put up there and yeah i think it's up there it's almost a perfect movie um as far as i'm concerned and i think a huge portion of that is just because they cut all the fat it's purpose it's every scene matters means something and like it leads into something else it answers the question and then gives you another one like chris said um i mean it's a fantastic movie yeah this is uh definitely top three i've watched this year 
I don't know where it ranks on all time, but and I don't usually like sci-fi movies, uh, and this definitely gets like my approval. So the the uniqueness of the idea too. I mean, just how mind bending this movie was. I'm sure when it came out, and especially when I watched it when I was whatever 15 like it just totally blew my mind of it transcended this idea of being a film and made me like honest genuinely question my own reality like could something like this actually be true and that's and having those kind of thoughts in your head when you leave a movie is awesome just like constantly thinking about it and having it be such a memorable experience like it's the reason that i would love to make films one day like that movie to me is what caused me to be like this is everything a film should be Austin, you and i talked about this but like it's just enough heady philosophical talk to get people thinking but also action-packed and fun and like the perfect blockbuster movie and it walks that like it's like the tiniest tightrope and it walks it perfectly i can't think of like anything bad about this movie like I think it shows its age a little bit, but I, I will not dock the movie for that. Uh, everything else is like perfect in this movie. Yeah, it's it it's definitely a product of its time, but it's hard to say that because it is the product of its time. Like it mm-hmm. created that. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, well, like leather and fucking corn or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's out of date now, but it started all of that. So, you know, it's hard for me to be like, oh, this, you know, it's not like in Daredevil when they play Evanescence and you're like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could this movie be made today? If it was never made and then they released a movie with the same premise. I mean, obviously, we'd have to change the entire aesthetic. Yeah, I, th- I think. The message, yes, the the. The whole like tech aspect, like tech has evolved so much mm-hmm. in the past two decades that like the whole concept of AI, like maybe. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the general audience will probably like probably st- still views tech as like how would how, how it is in that movie, but the I action think... would suck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be, it'd be a, a, uh, a hard cut every punch. <laughs> yeah, um, like civil war you mentioned uh the technology advancing and stuff i think a huge part of why i love that movie and the aesthetic is that the technology feels very clunky and dirty and cumbersome um because back then that's what it was um and that's how we viewed technology if you look at like old star trek these spaceships have analog buttons um and in this like everything is big and clunky and wires everywhere and dirty and it has a lot of like feel to it it feels lived in where if you made that movie now it would be more like the animus in um uh, assassin's creed where it's just oh yeah you just lay on this bed and like one tiny little needle goes into your back and you're fine but this is like grotesque at times oh it's great yeah it's and it needed to be like there Mm -hmm. needed to be a juxtaposition between like the green tint of the quote unquote real world to kind of let you know something's off juxtaposed with the Nebuchadnezzar, the ship, which is like dirty and disgusting and like an awful place to live. Yeah. And just raw. It feels very like real where everything else feels very polished when they're in the matrix. How would they, cause you have to go to a payphone, and you have a cell phone in your pocket. Does that just <laughs> make it easier to escape? 
<laughs> I don't know what they're going to do in Matrix 4 with that. Oh, that's a great point. What are they going to do with Matrix 4? Me and Hannah saw a payphone in real life the other day. It was kind of astounding. <laughs> oh my god, they'd never be able to get out if it was still just payphones. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go to like a really old mall. Um, yes. my uh, I have a, like, so my dad died uh, when I was very young, but one story that I was always told about him was how frugal he was. And um, there's a point where payphones took nickels instead of quarters. Mm. And um, about the time that um, him and my mother were getting married, uh, he had to call his parents to discuss like some financial thing with them. And he walked a mile to get to a payphone that had a nickel instead of a quarter input because he wasn't going to pay a quarter to make a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) That's dedication right there. So yeah, I wonder how the movie, it would have to be like a, it'd have to be hardwired in like an ethernet port or something. Yeah. yeah, maybe it'll be an internet thing because like they have cell phones in that movie. It's just because they're not ha- hardwired into the actual matrix. They don't mm-hmm. work. They only work as like a tracker. They don't work to actually bring you yeah. out of it. Um, yeah, but there's no payphones anywhere anymore. So, but anyways, yeah. I, also hacking was different back then. So the fact that uh, Neo was a hacker and like could get away and commit all these crimes, and then like when he finally does like i guess it's in the matrix so you can make up whatever rules you want but mm. the fact that like it's really believable that he committed all these crimes and that that people are just willing to brush it under the table because like nobody got charged for shit back then and nowadays if you do like anything it like you get the whole book thrown at you oh right? absolutely yeah i love when he pulls out that hollowed out book of like floppy disks or whatever <laughs> <laughs> is it is it in this movie where um Mr. Smith is talking about the other inter- iterations of the Matrix, how like the original was very like pristine and magical and no one believed it. My favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah. So it's it's when he's talking about how the system, maybe not my one of my favorites, but he's talking about how they created the system to be perfect originally, but humans rejected it. And then he goes into that amazing speech about uh so he's talking about how every mammal on the planet does a certain thing. And he's like, humans aren't like that. They're a virus. Oh, and then his whole thing where he's like, I mean, Hugo Weaving absolutely destroys that role. I think he does the best job of anyone there, him and Morpheus, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. But when he's like holding his head and he's like, he's like, I have to get out of here. And like, it shows this whole other side to this, this guy who for the most part has been kind of, maybe off the beaten path a little bit, not always by the book, but you just see his unraveling and you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit. <laughs> like the, it gives the AI a personality, which up until this point, it had just been like this thing, this computer that run, ran everything. Yeah. But now you're starting to see like these individual personalities. Yeah. I mean, other than Blade Runner, I can't think of a movie that talks about like AI wanting to feel and be human. Um, there's books in the whole cyberpunk movement dealt with a lot of that, like Neuromancer. Uh, when are we going to get a Neuromancer movie is my question. Um, but yeah, this movie like changed how we view a lot of um, technology and like personhood and stuff like that. And you talk about how it feels like parody is because what everything from then on is built off of. Like there's touchstones everywhere you look yeah it it, yeah it really did create so much connor instead of hard drives can we just do like passwords for google drives and iclouds (laughs) yeah that's a great idea it has to be sd cards that you find in your pocket and you're like what is what's on this i'm afraid to plug it in like (laughs) 
This probably just has a virus on it. <laughs> so that's how they escape now. They have like a port connected to them. They just plug it into like a LAN, <laughs> like an Ethernet cable, and they just <laughs> escape through the internet. The newer models don't have Ethernet ports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea what they're... I mean, I don't want to spoil anything from two or three, Chris, Chris in case you actually want to go back and, and watch those. Um, I don't want you to get their hopes up, your hopes up about it because they're not good movies. But, um, you know, there's from, something there's something to be gained from watching them, I think, though. Yeah, I, I would say two has some really great moments uh, mixed in with a lot of bullshit. And then three is pretty much all the way uh, trash. Like it's it's front to back, just a fucking mess of like a Transformers <laughs> everything good and subtle about that one is like totally thrown away for these next two movies the the final action scene in three where they're in like the mechs uh like from alien or whatever yeah is kind of fun but in like a really it shouldn't be good but it's like it's like eating cheetos at midnight like oh yeah just give it to me no it's but it's not the matrix oh no no not at all (laughs) not even close it's just, it's a rip. What's so weird to me is that it's a rip off of a bunch of movies that came before it. And what's upsetting is that Matrix One is such a groundbreaking film that for them to then just be like, we don't know what to do. So we're going to rip off, like you said, like Alien and, mm-hmm. you know, just steal from all these other sci fi movies about humanity trying to survive. It, it, it just felt like a fucking disaster. You, you mentioned before we started uh, the story you heard about. Uh... I think you said it was uh, Lana Wachowski that making two and like her drive to the beach. Yeah. So apparently one day on set, she was so stressed out um, just trying to come up with ideas for the second one and trying to film everything. And they were going over budget and this, that, and the other. And she said she just got in her car and drove to the beach and just walked into the ocean and like wanted to get eaten by a shark. Like she was like, I hope I drown or die or get eaten by something out here because I don't want to keep making this movie. So I, you know, I can't imagine the amount of stress that both of them were under, you know, coming up with the idea for the first movie. Like, hey, we have this great idea for a sci-fi film that's, you know, got some philosophical elements, but it's a great blockbuster. It blew up and they're like, all right, you got to make two more of them. And they're like, but we had an idea for one. And they're like, we don't care. Make two more. So (laughs) You know, I, I do feel for them in a sense. This was the first time that, you know, they had really wanted to create a universe around something. And I feel like uh, Larry and Lana, I can't remember. He also changed his name. I can't remember what it is. So I'll just say the Wachowskis didn't want to do that. Like they, they felt like they actively pushed against making these sequels. But here they are. And now only one of them's coming back for the fourth one. Yeah. And Lawrence Fishburne's not coming back. I don't know why. He's... Yeah, he's in uh, uh, John Wick Four. Why can't he be in this too? I have no idea. John Wick Four uh, isn't that getting like made by like new people as well, like John Wick Four and Five. Is it? Yeah, I think okay. it might be. In uh, I can't remember if Chad Stahelski's doing the the fourth one and then giving it up, or if he already gave it up and he's just a producer now. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but there is some kind of mix up for this fourth one. I think he's still connected to it last I heard, but yeah, it might just be like producer not actually like directing and like choreograph. Fun fact, the director of the John Wick movies is Keanu Reeves stunt double in the matrix. It's, 
it's my favorite story. Like the one I've heard is that um, he just really wanted to make a movie and he went to Keanu Reeves. So like, this is the movie I want to make. And like, I want it to have a bunch of cool stunts. And Keanu was like, all right, here's all my money. Like, just make it. <laughs> yeah, make it. <laughs> I mean, when stunt guys make movies, they're always great. Like, at least the action is always yeah. incredible. It's like uh, Extraction, the uh, Chris Hemsworth movie. Uh, that had some of my favorite action I've seen in a while, like other than John Wick. Yeah, he was a stunt guy, too. I don't mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but I know that he's worked as maybe as Chris Hemsworth stunt guy, but he was in the industry for a long time. Yeah, and I think he's like the main stunt choreographer for um, Civil War and like one or two of the Avengers movies. Yeah, stunt uh, guys don't get enough love. So, you know, and oh. their work is dangerous. Like so oh, many yeah. die or are paralyzed. Yeah, no, it's it's incredibly hard work. People think, oh, it's, you fall off a thing onto a mat. How hard can it be? But I mean, these guys are killing themselves out there. And it's not just falling. You have to fall a specific way, yeah. and it's you got to be in really good shape to. No, they always know. say like you have to hurt yourself enough to know how not to hurt yourself, and that's the key to being a good stunt person. So I mean, take a lot of beatings. I don't think there's a single blockbuster movie out there that could have been could be made without one stunt people and two like video effects people. Can you imagine a Marvel movie that didn't have? a massive stunt in video effects budget like Deadpool, but that's not like they'd have to go back to using practical effects. I wish I really wish. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Chris. I hope that you enjoy it for many years to come. I'm jealous that you got to watch it with fresh eyes for the first time. Like I was, I was genuinely like, fuck, I wish I could have that moment again. Um, do we want to talk about Pokemon real quick and then head out? Like, what time are we at right now? Like an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Okay. It's really a trend when I'm on just to to go late, ain't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, our episodes are always late. Um, do you want to do like 15 minutes on this and then call it, or do you want to call it right here? Uh, we can call it right here. Um, okay, we'll save Pokemon for next week. Yeah. It's not urgent. <laughs> These games aren't coming out for a while, so very long time, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, make sure if you liked it, leave a like. Uh, subscribe if you want to see uh, our podcasts that come out every Friday. Um, you can view the highlights that come out throughout the week. Um, any other content that's hasn't really been uploaded because <laughs> we don't upload other than that. Um, Thank you, Austin, for being on. Thank you, Connor, as always. Um, So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Yeah.